How long? That's the question. It becomes the question is how long do you want to be had? <laughs> You've been had for quite a while. Don't you? I haven't been had for a while. No, you have. I've been had. <laughs> It's important to be ahead, Diane. <clears throat> it's wow. Eight thirty-three a.m. Saturday, February the sixteenth, twenty nineteen. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane show. <laughs> what? Ba. Wow. She was riffing there at the end, folks. She was doing a little extra, you know, a little zazz. She put a little zazzmatazz. <laughs> Got to have a little zazzmatazz. Yeah. What's going on here? What's going well, on? What we 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 you, survived. We did we survive. Oh, the snowpocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in traction after all. After the show, after six hours or so of shoveling over a couple of days. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, you were saying last week that you were hoping that you wished for a shovel because you thought that you could oh. make some money. Oh, I see. Shovel yeah. your walk, lady, and all that stuff. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I borrowed a shovel. So the money I would have made if I'd invested in my own shovel, I spent uh, clearing out the borrower, no, the borrowee, the borrowee, or the, I was the borrower, she's the borrowee, the borrowee's uh, access to her place. I have never heard the word borrowee. Well, it probably doesn't exist. That's <laughs> probably why you've never heard it. Smart people. I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. Would never think to use... <laughs> Such a doinky word. Ah, ham and eggs. Uh, like doinky or borrowee. Borrowee. Borrowa. Borrowee. Borrowa. Sorry. Anyway, uh, it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, uh, but not in the usual kind of way. Uh, it's mostly ha- having to do, as the locals will note, uh, with the, the snow. The snow that kept falling and falling. The snow that kept falling and falling and falling. falling, 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 Until finally it was just like, you know what? I was so sick of being relatively inactive and kind of held in amber in a weird kind of way that nobody felt quite comfortable with, even though hanging out with Diane wasn't driving me nuts. But being, having so much else about my life to being unavailable to me, I think that's what was driving us crazy. For you, it was the milieu of the office. You missed that. There was something about it that made you feel less effective as a as a worker at home. Yeah, because I, I can telework, but I I didn't have any umpapa in my calliope because yeah, I didn't so, have my coworkers around. Yeah, you didn't have and, that impetus to yeah. to be a little more you know uh, concentrated in your efforts. So, and I definitely knew that. And I wasn't able to walk for most of the week, and I didn't really think about how not walking was affecting everything about including my hip because I would think one of the reasons that my hip was hurting more is because it wasn't getting that daily stretch out and yeah. warm up that the walking gives me and even if you walked you couldn't really walk yeah. like a normal walk it's no, it was it's, more like a I didn't want to go out for a stagger yeah. you know, it was like an enforced stagger when I would walk it was just like just trying to pick up your, your trying to walk flat footed so you don't slip yeah. and you know you're yeah it's too too uh non-natural it's an unnatural form of walking so i knew that wasn't going to help so finally it was snow shoveling that saved me because going out there and working up a sweat and you know and then coming in and lying in an epsom salts bath for a while because i definitely took advantage of that it was it was good 
And I, by virtue of my dedication, there was a, there's a guy who is doing repair work on our condos, and he drove out one day in his big four-wheel drive dually pickup and said, you know, I got a, I got a front loader at home. I go, yeah? He says, if this is still all frozen up like this in the, tomorrow morning, why don't you give me a call? I said, I get up around 4. He says, yeah, I'm usually having lunch about then, so give me a call, and, and I'll, I'll load it up and bring it over and clear you out. I said, fabulous. And he was just offering to do it as a nice, yeah. being a nice guy, because he's already making plenty of money off of our condo, because he's basically rebuilding them from the inside out, because they need to. Um, so I finished spiffing out the area in front of us and in front of Michelle and David and, and Tommy and figured, well, let's see what it's like in the morning. So I called him at 4.30 the next morning and he said, okay, I'll load it up and bring it over. And he ended up coming and we spent about three hours out there clearing out the rest of the parking lot. And then he went to the, the uh, subsidized housing place next door to us and cleared out their parking lot. Then he went to the veterans uh, place on the far side of them and cleared out their parking lot. I didn't know he did the veterans, too. Uh, yeah, he spent, it was like more than a half a day's work for him, was spent, but I think he was just having fun. I think it was very fun for him. He didn't well, get to... He was, he, you said he was, you wrote to me that he was being Santa Claus, and that must be a pretty fun feeling yeah, to feel it was like a great, Santa he was, Claus. Yeah, he got to be a hero for all of these places, and plus, you know, he said it took him two and a half hours to dig out his backloader, to dig out the trailer, and to get it loaded. So I figured, he, he must have figured after all that work just to get the thing here, yeah. he might as well do as much as he can. And uh, so he Boy, cleared off our sidewalk and all that kind of stuff. And it that just, was sure a random act of kindness, it man. It was, and it really, uh, it really did complete the job. So I was able that very afternoon. That was Wednesday, and I was able to get out that afternoon and go to my appointments the way I wanted to. Which is the whole point of my shoveling was, I just didn't want to be housebound for another week and miss all my my appointments. So. But we still have plenty of snow in well, our parking lot. We have the piles. We have the piles of snow that were generated through the shoveling and the scooping and the stuff. So, yeah. But they're melting away. Man, it was... I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember... I mean, not here. I, yeah. And I've very rarely traveled to snowy places. I think the only time I really uh, was around... A lot of snow was when I went out to see you and Twisp. Yeah, and they remind, that whole shoveling experience reminded me of what it used to be like every winter in Twisp. It was just yeah. part you just budgeted that time into your into your morning uh, because you'd wake up and there'd be a foot of new snow, and you had just shoveled out yourself out the day before, and here you are shoveling <laughs> yourself out again with the same amount of snow as the one the day before, and you're just kind of like, okay, well, this is my exercise program now. I shoveled snow one time with. James, when, when I came out to visit, yeah. Yeah. I, I tried once that. my once my children were bigger and stronger than me. I was like, "What the hell am I doing all this work for? <laughs> they need to get out of here as much as I do. Let's let them do some of it." So, anyway. Well, anyway, that was that was quite the focus of our lives this and last everybody's lives. And, yeah, you know, I know everybody's probably sick of talking about it, but. But that was our, that that was was our experience. That was what happened. You know, that is. That's right. And that's what we talk about on this show is what happened for us during this week. Yeah, that's true. A lot of the people that I was talking to at work, first of all, everybody was so relieved to be able to be back at work. Yeah. Uh, 
and a lot of people talked about some of the, the issues that I had too, which was just the level of comfort that you have in your actual physical setup is not the same as what you have at work. Because yeah, because the, the, your, your desk at work is designed for efficiency in doing what you do. Yeah, exactly. For you to, to be able to sit there all day and yeah. do this stuff. but And the chairs are better. Ergonomics and, and such. You know, so... They talked about that, but a lot of the parents were talking about how their kids were um, home from school, and that's an, a situation that we did not have. But you were unable to do your your uh, concert with yeah with Cat for for Alice for Alice's birthday, which was you tried to give some different options, but it became very evident that they were not yeah, going to be able to happen. Yeah, I offered to. Uh... Have Alice bring because Alice had had friends flying from out of town, and and I uh, offered if they could brave it and get out of her place. I said if you can make it up to my place, I can do a concert for you right here in the living room. And she was like, Oh, I'm gonna keep that in mind. And I was gonna invite uh, Alexandria and Cynthia because they were kind of not able to work either that yeah. week. Yeah. And I think that would have been great, but it turned out that it was too dangerous for everybody. You know, nobody needs to. Put their lives at risk for uh, Billy Bob Bajingo. But it was like, you know, you, you make a commitment to do a show like that and it becomes, you know, you know it's you're, you want to do it for your kid or whatever, but then you just want to do it because you kind of you build up a kind of an anticipation for it yourself. So having it not happen is really, it's, it resonates on a lot of levels. Anyway, so hopefully my next show, which is a week from today, up in Snohomish, or Snoqualmie, uh, it won't still be all icy up there. Yeah, that's true, because yeah. that's... A little higher yeah. elevation than here, so... Hopefully it will work the Black Dog Arts Cafe with Mr. Rob Neisler next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Other than that... You know, it was pretty darn quiet around, um, I mean, no, as far as activities, but yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about why we chose the music we did today. Oh, yeah. We are going to have as our featured performer, Michael Peter Smith from Chicago, Illinois. Michael Smith, yes. And... Our friend Kat is good friends with him. And she often sings his songs. Yes. And they're just... Wonderful. They're both poignant and insightful, and then there are other songs that are truly some of the most hilarious songs I've ever heard. So he really, he makes you laugh and cry amongst the best of them. Yes. And uh, Kat posted a a GoFundMe post about Michael Peter Smith and, and his wife, who are both musicians, I believe, and that they were having some severe financial crisis because of uh, some issues. because of health issues major hospital bills and an unexpected move and I read through and uh, and was thinking about the plight of musicians when they get older if you've chosen to be an independent artist or any kind of a artist, it doesn't have to be a musician. Yeah. Anybody who's 
put their their passion and their lives into the arts as their work, they usually have a pretty dicey experience when they get older. Unless because they're one of, unless they are the one in a million who gets discovered by somebody else, right. who then propels them into into a lifestyle that is more lucrative and sustaining. <clears throat> Most of the people who are doing art never get really noticed for it, but it doesn't mean that they necessarily stop doing it. I've known mm -hmm. lots of people, you know, over the years, mostly in the music area, who uh, kind of tried it real hard for a while, and it, they weren't did, did not achieve success. They had like a five-year plan or something like that, and after five years, they just moved on to something else. But I've also known lots of people who uh, have been at it for 30 years and haven't really used outward notice as a gauge for whether or not to continue. It's just something that's in them, and they just kind of do it because it's their nature to do it. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I've come to call it consensual obscurity, where you remain obscure and you're fine with it because yeah. the, the work is what sustains you, not the whatever public notice you get for the work. Right. And uh, I put I would put Michael Smith in that category, though. He's and Kat and, and, lot, you. and me and a lot of other people that I know. Although Michael Smith has had a lot more attention, and Cat's had a lot more attention from the outside world than, than a lot of us have had. But even for someone like Michael Smith, he get, you get to a certain age and things start to break down, and I don't know what, what, what his situation is, but if you work uh, by and for yourself, kind of in, in what might be considered an underground economy for your life, you may not have been paying into Social Security during that time. And so you may not ha even have that as a safety net in, when you're older. I don't know what Michael's situation is, but, but you know, there's... Uh, and you even have to work a certain amount uh, through the system to get Medicare, isn't that right. true? Yes. Medicaid, I don't know so much about. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if, you're, if you d decide to be a self-employed musician... Then you have to do all the paperwork that's involved, and I did that for about five years when I was younger, and you know it got me nowhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. all it did was increase my workload and my sense of responsibility and and stuff like that. Uh, I never made money; uh, I always lost money, and so anyway. But I, of course, wanted to participate in this campaign for for his relief of this situation and did not even have to ask you whether we would contribute yeah. just went ahead and contributed but the thing that was so phenomenal to me is it almost felt like the the last scene in it's a wonderful life where all the you know he where george bailey thinks that he's all by himself in this struggle mm -hmm. is this financial struggle and he's going to commit suicide and all that goes through the whole movie with the angel but then at the end all these people come by with their little their little contributions and their big contributions and the angel writes in the the book no man is a failure who has friends yeah. because the campaign had been not even gone on for a day when I contributed. By the end of the day, they had reached their goal they and then the goal, they yeah. started surpassing it. And I was thinking, what a, an amazing thing for 
Michael Smith and his wife that they can see how much they had affected so many people. And I'm sure that they didn't anticipate that kind of rapid response, or I wouldn't if that was something that was being put out for myself, you know. But you don't know. I mean, he doesn't even know me. I've never met him. Mm -hmm. But his music has deeply affected me. and, uh, And also... I feel like I've seen him live in concert and there's just something that you feel like I want to treasure this person who has given me so much and I don't have to get another CD for it. I just want to treasure the experience for this person. So I, I was, it was quite a marvelous thing to see in this world where everybody starts thinking everybody's out for just what they can get that that is not true you know there are evidences all around of people's generosity and and uh and community i mean that we're all in a community and i think it's one of the the if there's an upside to social media i think that's part of it is that there's a, a way to interact that is you know it's it's not really underground but it is another layer of community uh that's formed up because of social media wherein real good can be done and uh, people can know how their lives have affected other people's lives and and things like that kind of like and it's a wonderful life so i think that's a good thing i did a very bad encapsulation of it's a wonderful life but you did well i tried clarence clarence (laughs) clarence (laughs) hold on go back Much better. Yeah. Yes. A little drama, I'm not, dramatization. I'm, I'm not very good at, at uh, Jimmy Stewart, or what's his name. Yes, you are. I <laughs> heard you do some pretty darn good. Now, if it was Walter Brennan, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they had, if the soundtrack had been done by Neil Diamond, then maybe. So the quintessential, I think the quintessential uh, Michael Peter Smith album is the one we're going to play these songs from, which is a live album. It's called... Uh, called uh, Tales from the Tavern. No, it's called or, Things Done Finely Well or something Oh, yeah. Like that. yeah. It's subtitled Tales from the Tavern. Right. From Tales from the Tavern. Yeah. And it's a live album, and it's got most of his you know, most famous songs on it, including The Princess and the Frog and... And uh, the two that we are going to play for you, which is, I think, my favorite, or I don't know if it's his most famous song, but The Dutchman uh, was covered by Steve Goodman and got a lot of play. And uh, there's a great version of The Dutchman on here and also one of our favorite songs, (laughs) which is Zippy. (laughs) So, from Chicago, Illinois, Michael Peter Smith. Mm-hmm. 
this tune sounds really nice when people sing it. Um, the chorus, it sounds good when people sing it. I kind of designed it for, I uh, had this vision of people singing it in a beer garden. Okay? It goes like this. Let us go to the banks of the ocean where the walls rise above the Zyder Zee. Long ago, I used to be a young man. And dear Margaret remembers that for me. Try it. Let us go to the banks of the ocean. Let us go to the banks of the ocean where the walls rise. Where the walls rise above the Zyder Sea. Long ago I used to, long ago, I used to be a young man. And dear Margaret remembers that for me. Perfect. The Dutchman's not the kind of man to keep his thumb jammed in the dam that holds his dreams in. But that's a secret only Margaret knows When Amsterdam is golden in the morning Margaret brings him breakfast She believes him He thinks the tulips bloom beneath the snow He's mad as he can be But Margaret only sees that sometimes Sometimes she sees her unborn children in his eyes Let us go to the banks of the ocean Where the walls rise above the side of sea Long ago, long ago, I used to be a young man And dear Margaret remembers that for me Dutchman still wears wooden shoes, his cap and coat are patched with love that Margaret sewed in. Sometimes he thinks he's still in Rotterdam. He watches tugboats down canals and calls out to them when he thinks he knows the captain. Margaret comes to take him home again Through unforgiving streets that trip him Though she holds his arm Sometimes he thinks he's alone And he calls her name Let us go to the banks of the ocean Where the walls rise above the Zyder Sea Long ago Well, the winter and she winds his muffler tighter. They sit in the kitchen. Some tea with whiskey keeps away the dew. 
sees her for a moment, calls her name. She makes the bed up, humming some old love song. She learned it when the tune was very new. He hums a line or two. They hum together in the night. The Dutchman falls asleep and Margaret blows the candle out. Let us go to the banks of the ocean Where the walls rise above the Zyder Sea Long ago I used to be a young man And dear Margaret remembers that for me Thanks for being just a wonderful audience, and uh, it's really uh, pleasant and exciting to play music in front of people who are so alert to the to the thing. And it makes me rediscover the tunes and, and realize how much I really need to rehearse. So, you're dealer man, Steve man, moves to Cleveland man, and you're trusting that it must have been fate. After all, by now, most of you are best friends. You're either busted or straight, or dead from smoking and drinking. And you're thinking, man, now that you're a senior, oh man, you want to wean yourself from the wicked weed. Well, that's all real nice, but here is some advice. I do believe that you are going to need Rip Van Winkle while you were sleeping there. Folks are taking to keeping their freak flags furled. Yeah, the world been evolving at a pretty fair clip since old 1968. Used to be slow and groovy and hip. Now it's proceeding at a faster rate, accelerating, and I'd like to set you straight, my friend. The fellow hippie here is hoping that you'll hear and that you hear. Think you're gonna find that life gets pretty damn zippy when you quit doing weed. <laughs> life gets pretty zippy when you quit doing weed. Maine to Mississippi, things is picking up speed. New York to California, don't you say I didn't warn you. Atlantic to Pacific, let me get specific. Life becomes a superhighway, and you know you doesn't linger. You do less than 90, folks is passing, flashing you the finger. It seems to me that things was moving and grooving, now they're only moving, yes indeed. Life gets pretty zippy when you quit doing weed. Can you dig it? Dig what I mean? That's a ticket. Let me set the scene now. Sun zips up, sun zips down. Zippy little clouds zipping over Zippy Town, over Palm Pilots, pagers, beepers, faxes, and such. Folks in Zippy Town are down with keeping in touch, man. Barreling in the SUVs, passing on the right. Zipping through the zippy day, zipping through the night. Zippity zip to get the jobs and money. Zip they have the kids. Zip they in the coffin, folks are zipping up the lid. Speaking of lids, man, life gets pretty zippy when you quit doing 
Made in Mississippi, things is picking up speed. Mexico City to Toronto, things is happening. We run away Pacific to Atlantic. Me and it's getting frantic. Life becomes a superhighway, and you know you dash and fidget. You do less than 90, folks is passing, flashing you, they digit. It seems to me that things was mild and lazy. Now they're wild and crazy. You'll concede life gets pretty zippy when you quit doing weed. Power mowers, leaf blowers, car alarms blasting so long. Janice Joplin, hello, Marilyn Manson. Folks zipping to get married on TV for fame and greed. Zipping down to the Bahamas. Zipping back to Pop and Mama. Boom boxes, weed whackers, air hammers, trucks going backwards. Everybody's under construction. Steroids, liposuction, space station, satellite. Taking pictures day and night. Upgrades, power walking, your machine and mind talking. Gridlock, pre-approved. Bring that cell phone to the loop. Big Brother C. CNN news to drive you around the bend. Green ketchup, you're right here. Warming up the atmosphere with grandma's homemade apple pie, which has been genetically modified by robot dogs on eBay who copyright your DNA. <laughs> Jet skis, man. Laid back, hey Jack, come on, get real. It's a straight life, it's a great life. Besides, you made the deal. See, you got enough left for one last toke, man. I'm happy for you, man. I hope it's real good. Smoke, man. Put it in the pipe, you light it up, and as it glows, you hear Judy Collins singing. Who knows where the tire goes? Brave on Judy. Girl, that's how to wail. Don't sing alone, man. Too late, you exhale. Life is pretty zippy when you quit doing weed. Maine and Mississippi things is picking up speed. Greek or Nova Scotian, man, everything's in motion, man. Earth and hell and heaven better get your motor revving. Life becomes a superhighway. Though you do your best, you find that folks is passing by you with that old familiar gesture. I like to think they're waving goodbye to the lava lamp, the Nehru jacket, the love beads, strawberry rolling papers, bags of stem and seed. Once you were Jimmy Hendrix experience, now you're Kenny G. Life gets pretty zippy when you quit doing me. Anybody asked you who wrote this song, boy, say it was Michael Peter Smith from Chicago, Illinois. Why in the world would the cat want to write a song about quitting boo? You give some guys a hit of acid, you never know what they're going to do. What if I want to learn the tune and how the progression goes? Sorry, man, can't help you there. Different chords for different shows. But if you get the recording, take a tip from me before you put it in the player. Lick the CD. <laughs> this song is called Zippy. I think it's pretty trippy, said Guy, Kibby to Rodney, Alan Rippy. Clippy, glop, clippy, nippy, nappy, nippy, yippee, yippee, yippee. You can bet your bippy as little Richard Penniman said to DJ Alan Freed, as Igor Stravinsky said en français to Andre Jean, as Tonto said to the Lone Ranger's favorite nephew, Dan Reed. Ah, life plenty zippy when not too weed.